0: Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast.
1: Kia ora, Catherine. Konnichiwa, Jane. Yeah, here we are again. Since we recorded last time, there has been a major cyclone happen in New Zealand. Our thoughts are with all of our friends and family in New Zealand who are affected by this really oh goodness, shocking Spike. images coming through yes. now about what has happened yes. it's just unbelievable isn't it
0: and incredible stories too of people being so brave in the water mm. flooding and and people who couldn't swim who swam in order to get help to get their family rescued all kinds of stories are coming mm. out too and i just feel a little helpless sometimes yes, when you're so far away in japan you think what can we do China. That got us thinking a little bit about Japan and from Japan what we could do to help New Zealand and we were approached by one of our fantastic jandals Adam Hall who is on one of our episodes he imports a beautiful Poatu New Zealand manuka honey to Japan and he had a brilliant idea. His amazing
1: idea was to bring New Zealand brands in Japan together to create a bundle where the the proceeds from this bundle go to the Cyclone Relief Fund. We're very excited to know about this and we will bring you more information about this as soon as we hear the final details. It's been created as we speak and will go on sale from the 1st of March. So we hear. And so if you're in Japan, please. Buy one of these bundles if that's somehow you can support. We also have some other events potentially coming as well that we've heard about as well, haven't we, Catherine?
0: Exactly. So we're thinking about convening some event that gets everyone together to also support. And we're going to be working on that, the details on that and announcing that shortly. Yeah. Oh, I think I need to take a breath. And on to one other topic, I think we should... Yeah, I don't know (laughs) how
1: we segue out of that into something else. So let's just do it. Rip the bandaid off.
0: (laughs) Uh, We just want to say again, thank you so much to the guys at Japan Rugby Weekly. Yes. They are the best. They are the best. We we did a little pitch for them on their podcast. It comes out every Wednesday night. And we loved being on that. But when they shared us and our story on their podcast... Mm.
1: Wow, it was a good, we good time. were blown what a
0: away. Laugh.
1: Yeah, Thank such a good laugh. Thank you very much for your kind words about our wonderful podcast. And we really enjoy working with you guys. You're such a, a good bunch of chaps. And just the whole rugby thing, like I've never really been...
0: Mm. much
1: interested in rugby in japan until the last year or so it's sort of come onto my radar and just how's, been very, how's that jane
0: why is that mm. yeah i could be this podcast
1: to... <laughs> and be hanging out with Catherine, but um and getting to know the a particular team and some of the members and all of that as well that's happened in the last year yeah but isn't it interesting how japan yeah. rugby is just oh. being catapulted into the sort of spotlight sure in the world now it's... mm-hmm Sure well, is. And why would that be, do you think? Like, <laughs> um, certain players signing contracts with certain teams recently. We've seen Bowdoin Barrett and Aaron
0: Smith signing. Yeah, there's lots of things going on. It's amazing. Of it's course amazing. The, of course, so, the Boat Blossoms are also coached by a fantastic New Zealander. So Amazing. No, right? So I think it's getting around.
1: Are and you also, told me something
0: I didn't know, and that was that they're doing some teaching or training of rugby in schools here tell me a bit more about that yeah
1: so recently my fifth grade daughter came home from school and she said i scored a try today at school i'm like what and she said oh we're playing tag rugby in pe and i was really surprised it's the first time i've heard of it so maybe for fifth grade onwards so that's sort of like 11 year olds upwards in primary school here are being taught tag rugby and so quite often she'll come home and say, oh, I scored two tries today, or I scored, you know, another try today. Or so-and-so stood on my hand when I was trying to score a try. Um, <laughs> Hopefully no spikes on their shoes. God. No, no, luckily not. But yeah, it's very, very interesting to hear that yeah, this starting at grassroots of yep. primary school students That's in Japan. I don't know if it's every school in Japan, but it could be, considering mm-hmm. that it must be part of a curriculum now. So
2: very very
0: interesting what's going on here
1: interesting isn't a it?
0: reverberation from that in another five to yeah. ten years time and we know that our friends at rugby school japan they're bringing in coming in here and setting up a school that's based on rugby yes. rugby values right? right that's a really brilliant thing you can just see it bubbling up and going to be an amazing thing i mean japan did such a great job at 2019 right mm. with the rugby world cup and then of course we had the the aftermath of, you know, the COVID and that sort of ruined things quite a lot. But I think the rugby spirit has continued and it's only, we've got the base there people it's who remember beautiful rugby, want to come back and play rugby here.
1: And, beautiful, wholesome rugby yeah. spirit here. Yeah. So that's what I really like as well. It's yeah. very wholesome and like, I think we mentioned about the, just this lone woman going to watch a rugby game, all dressed in her blossoms, Japan, yes. you know, blossoms, yes. uniform, sitting there by herself, thoroughly enjoying the rugby game. But you wouldn't see that in New Zealand. And so I just thought that was fantastic, right? It's so really special.
0: You shared Whitaker's chocolate with her. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right. It reminds me of being at school and we had rugby introduced, all girls school. And it lasted a week because too many people got damaged and broken and, and bruised, and so they cancelled rugby after one week. Mm. That was a shame. Oh, no, you were playing real rugby or tag, so it was too violent. So <laughs> they cancelled it. So I'm a bit jealous of your daughter um yeah, I think tag yeah. would have been a good tag. idea yeah tag. it's just tag
1: I said oh we never used to play tag oh well, I mean I well, used she's to play touch rugby that. and that. Sh- she's like what's that and I'm like well you actually have to touch people and you probably yeah not that's not a thing anymore but well anyway. we'll get her
0: in a team soon we'll get her in a, a, a <laughs> local camp. team and then yeah. get her into the brave, brave blossoms later on the the no. woman's version right yeah <laughs> Speaking of which, which is not speaking of which, but you know, often with uh, rugby is associated going and having social events after eating mm-hmm. and drinking, and that's where I think our next guest, who's coming up in the show, is uh, a super person to think about when you're talking about eating and drinking in Tokyo, and that mm-hmm. is Wayne Shannon. Yes, he Wayne. is the owner and proprietor and chief sommelier, etc., of Rangi Toto tokyo mm. toto tokyo <laughs> that's tokyo.
1: yeah it takes
0: a bit to be able to say
1: that toto tokyo
0: <laughs> he came to yeah. japan to do martial arts and like a lot of our jandals just there it goes from a, the very mm. first interest to actually establishing roots in japan and doing something amazing he's a sake specialist as well nihonshu and we get a lot of information from him in this episode don't we jane
1: yes yes he really just made it very simple to understand if you listen to this you will be able to go out and confidently order sake for whatever it is you're having or you know or even in the supermarket go and choose something off the shelf i feel like (laughs) i've got immense confidence to order some sake now compared to before we spoke to wayne so yes that's just one of the many gems inside this episode
0: exactly it's no is no surprise why he's been in publications like demystifying sake and the sake alchemist mm. because that's what he is yeah can't wait to and bring not it.
1: only sake but wine yeah so, as well so <laughs> sorry <laughs> go ahead catherine
0: so we can't wait to bring you this episode but jane you usually do the intros to the episode so go oh go well, ahead. that's okay you can do this one <laughs>
1: All right, let's hear Stay it from it Wayne. Wayne. Kia ora, Wayne. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Great to have you on the show today.
2: Great to be here. I'm not usually up this early, so I'm, I'm excited to <laughs> <laughs> see what happens.
1: Yeah, a bit of a night owl in your line of work, I'm sure. We like to start with a warm-up question. Yes. So our warm-up question today is, someone has put the sake list in front of you at a restaurant or izakaya. How can we figure out what to select? Give us a rough guide on how to select and impress our friends if we know nothing about sake.
2: Okay. Uh, I'd say that if if they're going to be impressed by price, just get the expensive one. Um, But if they're going to be impressed by your knowledge, Mm -hmm. uh, generally look at the – there should be a percentage or hopefully there's a percentage written down there. It'll be sort of maybe 50% or 70%. It's not alcohol. That's how much uh, of the rice has been polished. And, and it's a good way to work out if, if the, the higher that number, the, uh, the more robust the sake. So if you're starting off, maybe go for something with a lower number. And if you're finishing or in the middle of the meal, maybe something with a higher number, like 65. The important thing as well is if you order with confidence, it's very hard to mess up a sake match.
1: So
2: if you wanted to look good, just, uh, just say, oh, I, I love this one. And you're probably going to be right.
1: And everyone will go, oh, oh, excellent. Yeah, Yeah. that's really good. I love that. So look at the percentages of the polished, that that will show you of the polish rice. So low is how much?
2: So so really low is is sort of like 35%. um, And that means that 65% of the outside of each individual grain has been taken away. When you're looking at the lower grades, which is not a good translation to English, to be honest, um, 70%, which means 30% has been taken away. And, and what that kind of means is if you think of a grain of rice, the outside of it is all husk and, and bran mm. and things like that. So the the less the polish, the more of that brown rice character coming through.
1: Yes, yes, that would totally influence the, the character, I can imagine. Absolutely. So yeah. so, so the,
2: the, the, the lower that number, which means more has been polished away, the more maybe elegant the sake is going to mm. be. And, uh, and if you need something more robust. But it's important to know and understand, I guess, that if you like elegant things, then the sake is going to be more, I guess, expensive because they had to polish more away. But if you like punchier flavors, then the sake is going to be cheaper because they had to polish less away to make okay. those ones. So that doesn't necessarily
1: ex- mean it's going to give you more of a headache if it's cheaper or something. No, no,
2: no. <laughs> it's it's often in the sake world, and and this is a lovely thing, if it's a shame it doesn't translate to other things, but the cheapest stuff is probably the stuff that's the better one for you at that time. <sighs>
1: There you go. You heard it it here on Jandals in Japan. I feel like I've had an education in sake already. What about you, Catherine?
0: Oh, good. I am madly, if you didn't even notice that, on camera writing notes. (laughs) And I'm going to convert this and put it on my iPhone notes. Brilliant, Wayne. That is the best I've ever heard it explained. Mm. I didn't know any of that. And I know Jane's going to ask me what my favorite sake is. And I don't know much because I'm the one who holds that menu and goes, what do I do? Yeah, Wine, yeah. I've got a bit more of an inkling to know what to do. Sake, you've just told me everything I needed to know. Thank you, Wayne.
2: One, one thing I'd, I'd say is that um, people, when they started drinking, say, craft beer in New Zealand, they they didn't know what a triple dry hopped ipa made with blah 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 (laughs) insert all those sorts of things they didn't know what any of that meant so you had to experiment a little bit and then build your your knowledge base and for some reason people are intimidated by sake to actually start experimenting but if you see a word like ginjo on a menu and you taste it um, and you like it then look for that word on the next menu and then try and remember the brewery and if you remember the brewery then something different from them and you can just kind of grow from out out from there Mm -hmm. and then it's honestly in the sake world there's only about eight words that you really need to kind of get your head around Mm -hmm. and and really once you've got that everything else should open up and you basically just can go off and do your own do your own drinking research
0: drinking research
1: yeah Yeah. so i have a favorite sake brand it's because it's the only sake brand i know uh, and that's kubota Nigata, um, do you know is that a well-known brand or? A-
2: yeah, absolutely, and, and justifiably so. Kubota is is um, there's a sort of style of of uh, nigata sake that's very crisp and clean, and uh, and and Kubota is definitely one of the best at that. The, the good thing about them as well is you can find them in lots of places. Mm. Sometimes yeah. people misunderstand that if you see it in a lot of places, then it must be cheap and or not very good. And it's like no, it's, it, sometimes it just means successful because of quality. And Kubota mm. definitely is along those lines, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so I came across that twenty years ago when I was looking for Valentine's Day present for my husband who doesn't eat sweets or chocolates, uh-huh. right? And so I went and I knew he likes his um sake. So I went to a alcohol store and I was like, looking for something for my at that time boyfriend.
2: uh-huh
1: and they're like, oh, Kubota Manju. Yeah. and they gave me the the not manju manju. <laughs> I <laughs> got one of those. And so I was like, okay, great, thanks. And um, yeah, and recently I bought it again after like a 15-year kind of break. And I actually had some and I was like, oh, this is really good. This is going down very easy. It's a very crisp, clean, yeah. delicious. Yeah, really recommend
2: it. I just got back from Australia. Um, I was doing a contract with the Sake Makers Association trying to sort of teach Sommeliers and and um, venue owners and things like that about sake and kind of help get things onto the right path. We consciously did these events at non Japanese restaurants to prove the point that sake is not something that you should be matching with food with Japanese food. You should just be matching it with food. Mm. And people w- would say things like, "Oh well, but but I'm not a Japanese restaurant." It's like, "But you sell tequila, mate, and you're not a Mexican restaurant." <laughs> um, yeah. Like it, it, you're kind of pigeonholing it from a misunderstanding, and then. Mm. Everyone, when they left, they were like, oh, my God, I got invited to a, a restaurant that didn't, wasn't Japanese, but the food, first taste was like, okay, that's why. It's, it's really good with food.
0: Wow. Okay. That is so incredible. We could just wrap up the show now. We've had enough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I have been wanting to ask you to do a little mini course on sake so that okay. some of us who are a little bit like me who don't really know much but have learned a lot right now. Could learn the basics um, yeah. and you know just what you've said there with it being something that you can match with anything, um, and I guess that's what we're trying to do with New Zealand wine and Japan as well. It goes with anything in Japan too. That would be amazing if you could do a little mini course. we come along and, and learn from you. You've obviously got everything that we need to know and are teaching the world, at least Australia, <laughs> um, about sake. So, goodness, put that thought yeah, in your mind. Absolutely. Try. Think about that.
2: Absolutely. We could, a As,
0: session. we could bring our jandals yeah, along we'll bring so we the jandals get them all along. educated.
2: As you know, my life is, is likely to change very, very uh, greatly in the next, hopefully, not hour. Um, but uh, so so w- when, when things have settled down with the, yeah. with the new kid on the way, I'll be, I'll be very, very keen. Yeah. Spread, the, spread the sake of love.
0: That would be lovely. And congratulations on that. Your first child about to be born. Uh, yeah, exciting time. Cross Jandal getter I think we've called them before. Oh, so. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you so much, Wayne, for coming on the show. And we will be putting your full bio, which is really enormous, uh, into the show <laughs> notes later. But tell us a little bit first up then about how you came to be in Japan. Because I think you uh from Tauranga originally
2: I am yeah yeah. so So, tell us
0: how the Tauranga guy comes through to Japan tell us a story
2: it's kind of funny like growing up in Tauranga which is just like a total paradise but at the time didn't didn't think so moved to Australia when I was 19 give it maybe 20 maybe 20 I can't remember it was a while ago now uh and I started working in uh for a telecommunications company Ended up injuring myself doing like computer work, so I wasn't able to do the project management stuff I'd been doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and then after two years being out of work, ended up working in a in a dodgy bar over in in Manly. Uh, it was quite famous for violence and late night. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting introduction to the world of hospitality, and and I definitely. You, Sort of started off just pouring beers and talking and that was fun and then uh, moved into working with cocktails and then um, eventually ended up working at a Japanese restaurant called Sake. I actually started working there because I wanted to make cocktails with yuzu juice because no one was actually doing it and I discovered that when I'd been to Japan because I've been coming to Japan uh, since 2002 to do the martial art that I do. I've got a lot of empathy when people say, oh, I don't like sake. It's like, well, if you like alcohol, you do like sake. You're just like I was, though. You just had bad sake. The best analogy I can think of is that there are a lot of people who think they don't like Chardonnay because at a certain stage, there was an unnamed country that might be across the Tasman from us in particular pumping out ridiculously average, mass-produced, unloved Chardonnay that made people think that that's what that stuff was. And some of the best Chardonnay that you get in the world without doubt comes from Australia, but that stuff um, that they were pumping out kind of for a lot of people myself included uh, made me think I do not like Chardonnay. And then 20 years later I had a good one and realized I'd wa- wasted 20 years of my life and I'd lived in Japan um, doing the martial art and I didn't drink sake because I'd had bad sake again, back in Australia and just <laughs> bit of a um, theme
1: here sorry,
2: <laughs> <Australia>. <laughs> sorry I'm an Australian I'm an Australian citizen it might sound it, it's not them it's the it was the times mm, it was um,
0: definitely a time
2: wasn't time. it yeah. it was yeah West Coast callers and all that mm. Um so
0: <laughs> and ABC I, right was anything but Chardonnay that was another yeah, yeah which, which is right? which
2: is um which is funny because Chardonnay is, is generally um, the main grape in Champagne so you've had someone who's drinking Champagne complaining about how bad Chardonnay is and you sort of it's It's just a misunderstanding and and it's totally understandable yeah um because if you have ten bad chardonnay why would you have a eleventh and th- I think that's been the problem with sake and and luckily probably in the last ten years that that's massively changed you can get phenomenally good sake from a seven eleven now but yeah i mean that's that's kind of my journey of how I got here it was um I came over and, and wanted to train the martial arts and looked around and no one was drinking New Zealand wine and everyone should be drinking New Zealand wine. So uh, let's let's try and open up a New Zealand wine bar. What
0: was, was the martial arts you were doing?
2: Oh, it's called Bujinkan. It's uh, it's uh, kind of old school. Um, Are you still of, doing it? Uh, I'm actually going to do it again this afternoon. Oh, um, good on you. So Corona, corona obviously, obviously mm. threw a spanner in multiple plans, uh, but the dojo's just started up again. And um, oh, I'm going to go and catch up with a friend from Norway who's allowed back in the country. So it's, uh, it's uh, wow. very exciting. They're
1: looking up. Wow. Awesome. Great. So you started your wine bar. Is that the first step in Japan?
2: I came back and forwards, uh, forth many times. Um, and But, yeah, basically my wife and I uh, decided that the Rugby World Cup would be a a perfect time to open up a bar take advantage of that and then obviously the olympics what could possibly go wrong yeah it's we've we've learned a lot um about what could go wrong (laughs) now did
0: you find your location because you're in yushima in tokyo and your bar is called rangitoto tokyo where did you find it and why did you use that name
2: the the first question was i i sort of believe like people always talk about location location and and i think if you look at all of the best places, and we we don't we don't want to compete on price, and we don't want to compete on volume. Um, I, I worked out fairly early in, in my hospitality career that um, really intoxicated customers aren't that much fun. We, we, we're trying to build something that's going to be there for a long time, and if you look at some of the best restaurants and places around the world, they're not that easy to get to. So uh, I wasn't that worried about the location because I figured that there weren't that many people that were doing what we were doing in a city of 36 million people so if we can get in front of the right people then the location itself will hopefully not be too much of a burden Uh, because where we are is a little bit in the middle of nowhere Um, there's not a lot of foot traffic but we're, we're sort of we're sort of getting through that so we kind of just found a place that we thought okay we like this we can work with this um, we can afford this, but the intention has always been to move once once we've got ourselves sorted out. So we we we've got our um, processes in place, and now it's time to move to a place where we, there is more foot traffic. <laughs>
0: Ooh, exciting! Mm, exciting. Work in progress. I loved how you said the best places are not easy to get to, just like New Zealand, right? Yeah. So you've picked the perfect place that's worked so far for you, and at the timing of Rugby World Cup, it must have been great. But during that last those last three, three or four years, it's been quite hard for you too, I imagine.
2: Yeah, I mean, what can you do, eh? Like, there's no point um, wallowing. We took the opportunity to um, try and find some staff and look at strategy and all those sorts of things. And and being a restaurant that specializes in New Zealand wine told you can't really sell alcohol, that just meant we were open for lunch and then went off and did other things. So it was, um yeah, not not ideal, but we've come out of it. Uh, I think with a greater understanding of what we're trying to achieve, and um, we found without doubt one of the best chefs that you could find. He's worked in multiple Michelin stars. His 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 level is is insane. So um yeah, we can't really complain about how things have played out. That's for sure.
1: That's really great to hear. I mean, a lot of businesses did not survive. Yeah, the yeah. COVID thing. It's it's really sad. So yeah, that's fantastic that you are, things are looking up, right? And all yeah, definitely ways. Yeah.
0: We heard also that you're now also importing wine.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that
0: from New Zealand?
2: It is, yeah. So um, our friend, uh, Nigel Elder, he was um, he was actually on Country Calendar not so long ago, which has been geo <laughs> so I haven't been able to see it yet. But um, he's been in touch with us, and, and um, our plan was always to specialise in things made by people who we we know and love. So the, the brand is called The Elder, down in in martinborough terrace nigel's just a a really interesting guy he's worked in burgundy and and he's he's got all sorts of global connections with the with the level of what he's trying to do but yeah it's really really high quality stuff he doesn't sell it until it's ready to drink those sorts of things so um, hopefully from there we can start building um, bringing in other more interesting ones as well
0: Right, so you're focusing on The Elder as the brand that you're bringing in because of this connection with Nigel. Yep. Yeah, yep. wow, that's great. It starts from there, and I don't even know how you got to do that because there's such a lot involved, isn't there, to bring wine into the country?
2: Yes, yes and no, and this is one of the things that people need to understand when they're doing business in Japan is that uh, or when you're doing um, your business immigration stuff, all of those sorts of things is that if the paperwork says this is what you need that's what you need there's no gray area there's no sort of flexibility if, if and once you've got all of that stuff, it seems to me from my experience that the the people in the office they just want to stamp it and, and for you to leave like <laughs> they, they, they don't want you to come yeah. back they don't want to be dealing Just with this. Spot on, spot and,
0: on, yeah.
2: And so luckily with Maki and my wife, she's really good at those sorts of things. Um, so she's pretty much done that whole project from start to finish. I, I've sort of got involved every once in a while to to talk with Nigel and stuff like that. And and But, I mean, she's she's the one who's gone to the tax agents and taken care of it. And she was a heavily pregnant lady uh, counting bottles at the um, – <laughs> <laughs> at the port all of those sorts of things so um yeah, yeah, no, like yeah full full credit to her for what she's she's pulled off there and, and it's exciting bringing over Nigel's wines it's like just such an amazing place to start because his wines are absolutely phenomenal we can grow out from there and and sort of bring in some other other friends who are making things and mm. and and always going for quality over quantity is, is the yeah. plan
1: hmm. are they going to be available online
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, And we'll we'll try and work out some sort of jandals in Japan kind of uh, tie up, definitely. Thank you. Uh, But, yeah, like as I've I've sort of mentioned, um, life's a little bit interesting at the moment. So Mm. we've got a few changes we're going through. And then um, once we've done that, we'll definitely set it up because the plan is, is, I mean, New Zealand wine uh, is so underrepresented in this country uh, and this country is a massive wine drinking country, so uh, so if we can, and the goal is for us to be spreading spreading the love from Okinawa to Hokkaido, right? If we get, if we get some Instagrams of people people drinking uh, rosé from New Zealand down in, in Ishigaki or something like that, then I think we've we've done our job. Mm.
1: Rosé, that is something I have not been seeing, and I've started to see it last month on the shelves because it's pink right and i'm like yeah. people are going for the pink with the sakura is coming yeah is this is the chance for rose are we gonna start seeing rose here in japan what do you think
2: it's it's so insane i am a certified sommelier and i would say from my personal uh, recommendation that rose is probably the best match with japanese food in general Ooh. um And, but there's this insane um, misunderstanding that because it's pink, it's, it's sweet. And um, I mean, for me, the question is like, I've got a blue shirt and I've got a pink shirt, which one of these shirts is sweeter. The question itself makes no sense. (laughs) 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 Pink is a color. It's not a taste. And dry rosé is just, it, it, it absolutely kicked off around the world, except Japan. And I think you're right, it's it's coming on because of uh, the cherry blossom viewing when it should be on because it's an amazing match with tempura or insert multiple other Japanese dishes. But, um, yeah.
1: yeah, I can see how the pink would be, like people are thinking, this is going to taste like strawberries or sakura or something sweet. Whereas, yeah, it would be hard for people to get their head around that it is actually can be very dry and not sweet. Yeah. 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 One of my
0: mind-blowing rosé ex- examples was going to London and on a Friday night seeing London guys outside a bar drinking rosé like it was going out of fashion. And yeah. it was Provence. It was dry. I started drinking it then as my drink of the time I was in London because of that. And I thought that's interesting. It's not a pink drink drink. For women or for the season, it is because it's a great wine to drink.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. It's hard to think of a better match with tempura. I think um, from a from a wine point of view, it's also harder to think of a better match to drink with test cricket or or something like that right Mm -hmm. it's it doesn't need food but it works well with food Mm -hmm. and and if it's dry it's not going to end up cloying um and and i think that's the thing it's it's kind of good to be able to see um go back to new zealand and you see all of these big manly men drinking rose and it's like oh good on you mate like (laughs) you good on you
1: yes yeah awesome that's right can i ask you skiaki what would you drink
2: Oh, that's a that's a good one. That's a tricky one, right? This uh, this uh,
0: common in the uh, Nakata household, isn't it? <laughs> is Next, it? is gyoza. After that, what would you drink? <laughs>
2: well, I mean, it <laughs> was last night dinner. One one thing, and, and it's going to sound suspicious coming from me, is that um, I mean, Marlborough Savignon Blanc is actually ridiculously good with almost everything. It's probably starting to lose it more towards the steaks, but but it mm-hmm. is again really really good. Sukiyaki, I would possibly. Drift towards a a Pinot Noir, Mm -hmm. but I think also like, honestly, a rosé, maybe not super chilled, but closer to room temperature, a Mm rosé is probably going to do the, do the trick
1: nice interesting um i'm going on a mission to see if i can get my husband to drink rosé because i think because like i said he hates sweet things and he would look at that pink and go Mm -hmm. i wonder if i can get him to drink it because he does like a sauvignon blanc but yeah Yeah. you
0: get a wine recommendation around that so you can persuade your husband by the end of the year my goodness (laughs) (laughs) thank (laughs) you for that yeah
2: serve it to him in a black cup so he can't see what the color is black (laughs) cup Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. Blind taste test.
0: Yes.
2: I like
1: it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Is there something in this X factor of being a Kiwi that's helped you, do you think in your journey here, I'm hearing a little bit of, you know, during these last few years, you keep going and gum right. And not letting things get you down. Is there something that you think is quintessentially Kiwi or is it just the way it is with you and the way you approach your life and work in Japan that's kept you going?
2: Yes, because I, I think it is partially because of how my journey, I hate using that word, um, has, has, has kind of played out. But I think that was only possible because of coming from New Zealand. Like we grow up in a country where we're always looking out. I think the, the natural progression for a North Islander, a South Islander seems to move move to the North Islander, then maybe away. A North Islander, maybe to Australia or maybe to London. Um, but we're always sort of looking out. And, and I, I've lived in multiple countries, including Brazil and England, um, and a lot of time in Australia. But doing the Japanese martial arts, I think, is is probably part of just dealing with the situation as opposed to just dreaming that it had had played out in a different way. And I think that that was a sort of like when, when Corona happened, it was sort of like, okay, well, that's that. There's no reason to panic. There's no reason to do anything else. Did we believe in our original situation? Uh, sorry, our original plan. And can we still play it out? But I think, yeah, the combination, and this is kind of what I've always wanted to do. I think if you've got, if you take the best of New Zealand and the best of Japan, you've got a pretty awesome country. And if we can manage to kind of tie those things together, then hopefully we can kind of help both countries, if that makes sense, because how many times have you seen a Japanese person and you think, "Oh, you really need to go for a walk in the in the forest back home or something like that," you know, like go and go and chill out on Waikiki or something. And and how many times in New Zealand where you sort of think, you don't realize how big this world is.
1: <laughs> Terry, I've got the rubbish truck here, so I've just muted myself, <laughs> picking up the 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 Monday rubbish. It'll be back again tomorrow. So, can you tell us a story about? Where you were tripped up along the way, this just sounds like you've overcome obstacles. What has been something that's really tripped you up that you weren't expecting in this as you the word you don't like journey <laughs> journey and uh, to where you are now?
2: We have probably had more difficulty finding staff than I expected. Mm. Um, and and that in itself has been um, quite painful. Because it's hard to strategize when you're when you're stopping halfway through everything you're doing to make someone a flat white, but I think that's probably the biggest thing because the the Japanese the average Japanese um, staff member is not particularly proactive um when it comes to hospitality and i I saw this when i was working in auckland but i had enough people around me that would bring them out of their japanese mindset into a more kiwi kind of mindset and so i've i've been looking for staff members who uh have the the Japanese-ness, but have lived overseas for long enough that they've sort of picked up the ability to talk to a stranger and make recommendations without feeling like they're being rude or all of those sorts of things. And so probably that has been the hardest thing is, is trying to find staff. But even that has just been, uh, I guess, another opportunity to refine my approach when I'm talking to customers as well. And again, also being, being non-Japanese allows us to get away with all sorts of um, cultural uh, faux pas because I don't think anyone's really expecting me to be Japanese and that's part of the reason why they went to a, a non-Japanese place in the first place mm. but yeah I, th- I think probably finding the staff is, is maybe um, being the most difficult and and the, the sort of biggest biggest sort of trip up because I thought it would be a little bit more like we'll, we'll find right people and we'll, we'll, we'll train them up and uh, yeah and then it'll
1: be fine but no that's yeah. sort of Cultural thing going on in the background as
2: well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've actually ended up um, facilitating a couple of young. Um, we got in touch with the Polytechnic in uh, in Tauranga for, and asked if there were any young chefs who were keen to move to Japan, and they they. Uh, After a a few months have gone by, they actually started working with us last week. So, we've imported young Kiwis who've gone from having never been to Auckland before to living in the greatest, (laughs) biggest city in the world,
0: uh,
2: and finishing Polytech, working with someone who um who has the same mentor as Marco Pierre White and Gordon Ramsay. So um yeah, it's a it's a bit of a jump for them, and but they seem to be enjoying it. Fantastic! Exciting times.
1: What a wonderful
0: thing to have set up with your hometown to
2: yeah i'm i want to i want to make it a regular Um, beautiful
0: it's going back to what you just said about bringing the best parts of the two countries together how fantastic
2: but can you imagine that going from like a a town of of seven thousand people in, in Eastern Bay of Plenty and to uh, that
0: opportunity. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they I'm both begin with T, but completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they can finish their degree or their course by doing the practical stuff with you. Is that what they do? No, they've they've actually they, just finished
2: they, it, so they've got fantastic. their certification. Fantastic! And uh, and I was sort of like, look, is there anyone who's planning to do a working holiday visa? We've got a we've got someone here who wants to teach. We've got, we've got a position. Um, and, uh, we're not entirely sure how it's going to play out, but if you come into Japan anyway, it's better to have somewhere to start than to just get off the, off the plane and sort of walk around and start handing out CVs. But hopefully down the line, we can formalize it and, and actually turn it into a bit of a, bit of a program. Cause I, I think it is. My, my, and, I'm, and I'm not going to lie, I'm doing this from purely selfish reasons, because when I go back to Tauranga, I want these guys to have opened up a restaurant that I want to go to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, in the future, that would be awesome. Oh, I love that. That's such a great idea to give opportunities to New Zealanders to yeah get out there and see the world and take back those skills. Yeah. To New Zealand, hopefully. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: So innovative. I think that's part of it, isn't it? Is that you're not stopping; you keep going and thinking of other ways to bring the two countries together. I think it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and this is where I, I can complain about Corona, but um, again, we our location is not central, which meant we weren't paying the kind of brutal rents that we would have been paying. Um, so when the government gave a subsidy, it was actually enough for us to to kind of um, do what we did. And yeah, but the, really, it was just the time you sort of sit there and go, "What should we do?" like Mm. so we we came up with some ideas and and ran with them
0: after all of this Wayne what's your one big nugget your real gem of advice from your own experience that you would like to offer up for budding kiwis coming into Japan or who are here already but could go that next level that you're obviously showing your one go-to
2: no, I was I was going to say networking, but obviously <laughs> everybody says that. But um, I I think that 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 seems to be a strange thing. Um, when when I'm listening to um certain clubhouse rooms or things like that, people talking about how they're, they're always talking about the Japanese market as if it's somehow different. And anywhere in the world, networking is important. People who you know, it's important, right? So like to point out networking is a specific thing that's important to Japan, just I don't understand. Japanese people have reasons for doing what they're doing from a cultural background. And I think when, you, when you've got a Kiwi who comes over here, some one of these young guys said it the other day, they said, oh, they've got a lot of weird ways of doing this. And I was like, well, there's 126 million of them and there's 5 million of us. Who's the weirdo? It, it's like the more that we understand the cultural potential reasons that the things play out, the the easier it's going to be. This idea of the Japanese market, I think, if you're coming in to try and sell something, in itself is a little bit strange because, again, you've got 36 million people in Greater Tokyo. Are you talking about the people in Ginza? Are you talking about the people in Ikebukuro? Are you talking about the people in Ueno? Because they are all very, very different. And each of these groups need to be, if if you're trying to sell them something, they need to be treated appropriately. And um, someone said to me the other day that one of the wines that I'd like to sell is is too expensive for the Japanese market because it's more expensive than champagne. And my answer was, is it better than champagne or is it worse than champagne? Because if it's better, then um then
1: one will buy it
2: yeah 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 it's it's (laughs) like the the question
0: are made the same either. exactly
2: it's like is it is it more expensive than bad champagne is it like the whole Mm -hmm. and and that in itself highlights the work that we need to do if we're trying to um get to the right demographics is how who do you need to educate and if you've got a salesperson who's selling these wines saying this then obviously the work needs to be done from a fairly low level to build it up but i'll throw some figures at you and hopefully uh hopefully you can edit them out if they get boring new zealand we've got a huge amount of soft power and we should we should run with that japanese people really really like new zealand as a general rule but they also know very little about us so we're not when they don't know how expensive something should be from japan Uh sorry from new zealand and this is a country let's not forget that we'll spend 200 on a single strawberry so they just want to know a story as to why they should do it. Mm. And New Zealand on a average is the most expensive wine producing country in the world. But if you look at the premium stuff, we're, we're extremely good value. And those numbers I was talking about uh, wine spectator in 2021 did a did a survey of the plus 90 point wines and the plus 90 point wines that came from France were $111. Uh, I think Napa, California and Italy, I think were $93 per bottle and New Zealand was 37. What? Um, $37? $37. So you could get three bottles of (laughs) 90 plus point wines or one from France. And, and that's how, that's, that's the an objective um, view that as a, as a retailer, I can tell people all day that New Zealand makes amazing wine, but it's like, don't, don't trust me. I've obviously got an ulterior motive, taste it or trust, trust these other people who don't have ulterior motives. And and then having that objective number to fall back on, I think a lot of Japanese people enjoy, mm-hmm. but sorry, I, I think I talked around that without saying one specific thing, but, but yeah, under, understanding that I think that, the Japanese market itself is probably is an oversimplification. Um, find out who you're trying to target in that market. But um, but also don't stress too much about how far you need to bow or um, what you're doing with your business cards because you'll just mess up with your own flow. Be a New Zealander. They're expecting it from you. And they're not expecting us to be Japanese because we're not.
1: Yeah, make an effort, but yeah, don't do yeah, don't. 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 Don't worry too much about yeah. I didn't yeah. reach ninety degrees and hold it for three seconds. Yeah, and yeah, all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they,
2: they, people are expecting you to try, and uh, and I think that goes Very way way trying. further than yeah. than going so far that you look like you're doing a parody. Mm, trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Your one nugget is a sprinkling of gold <laughs> in, in, in the pan, right? The gold pan there, like, you know, don't, treating people differently because they are different, right? There's not one persona of Japanese person or the Japanese Japan market. market. Oh my that brilliant. It's like,
2: read the room, right? If you're out of control in New Zealand, the, symbol, the, the signs are going to be pretty much the same wherever you are in the world. I guess, yeah, just watch, observe and kind of, recognize when you've gone too far and pull back a little bit and don't go too far that you can still pull back.
0: I think about too, New Zealanders in Japan, we're not all the same New Zealander in Japan. The other day I was at a meeting and there were a bunch of people from Otago University who would graduated around the same time. And here was like, you know, Canterbury, but yeah. they included me, but they were like, wow, we're not Auckland. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, and I have a lot of Auckland University friends who go, oh, you're from Canterbury. So yeah. even within, you know, this sort of country that is vast, we still yeah. have a differentiation between uh, New Zealanders. And what is, what is that? For a Japanese yeah. person to understand those distinctions too would be an interesting uh, thing to look at as well. But I love that you've talked about obje- objective numbers, right? Have those facts and the story to back up.
2: Yeah, yeah. What you're saying
0: and it, it sort of does blow your bias uh, and gives real centered opinion from somewhere else, a third party to and what you're because, saying. It's great,
2: because they don't know much about us. We can mould their expectations. Yeah. And people, people in Japan seem to pay based on what they expect. I mean, you go to some um, fancy looking coffee shop and have an entirely average drink for fourteen hundred yen, and they're still busy. And everyone seems cool with it, but it's like it was that was horrible, but no one wants to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. when they don't know about what New Zealand should be, and so but they have a positive view of us, so we can we can mould that by just being confident and just saying, yeah, we do this and we do it well. You should enjoy it. Um, hmm. And yeah, we're we, we're kind of lucky like that. We haven't been typecast yet.
1: Definitely, plenty of opportunities there. And so, what sort of trends are you seeing in Japan? is speaking generally trends that are like we've already spoken about rosé obviously we'd love to see that becoming a trend anything else that you're noticing
2: what i'm um hoping to see but it seems to be happening as well is that people moving away from um sort of mass produced and trying to move more into kind of craft uh like i love that you can go to the supermarket and see a photo of the farmer those sorts of things i think um japan has been pretty slow on the uptake but if, if you're trying to do something good for the environment and you can affect a market like New Zealand, New Zealand is not globally major significant. Um, if, you, if you're if you talking about things like free range um, and animal cruelty and all those sorts of things, if, if we can get Japan to start thinking about that, then, then you've got a much, much larger uh, microphone that's kind of getting those stories through. If Japan went free range with its eggs or something like that, that would be that would be pretty major, but it seems that people are drifting in that direction. And and I'm hoping that that, that continues this talking about healthy living, not just for the marketing aspect of it, but because of the fact that it's actually better for you is I think great. One thing as well, there seems to be a, a trend for Scandinavian bakeries, and that's one I really hope continues to. <laughs> oh my god, I miss bread, uh, bread yeah. the, the the way that I expect it.
1: Not sweet it's, bread, not sweet.
2: Yeah, bread. yeah, yeah. The sort of bread that's going to catch fire in the toaster after fifteen seconds. It's like no, no. I want I want heavy bread. Yeah, but um, mm. and, called, and,
1: they call it hard bread, don't they? It's like. Do they? S- katai pang is what they call it. It's okay, like, oh, it's brown. Yeah, bread. <laughs>
2: yeah it's, it's no, it's real bread. bread. It? It's, it's real, real bread, but. Yeah, we, um, one of the dishes that we sell is made from Bostock's um, organic free-range chicken. And it's, it's way more expensive than um, the average Japanese person is expecting to pay for chicken. And, and I've had some feedback where people are like, wait a minute, is this turkey? And you're like, no, that's actually what chicken tastes like. This is, this is real chicken. People will, will pay for it when they, when they know that it's not just convenience store chicken. And I think that's an interesting proof of concept a little bit is that people will pay when they know.
1: I um, understand the value of it mm.
2: yeah yeah exactly mm. yeah that 200 strawberry still stuck in my head but i mean like 100 dollars rock melons and all of those sorts of things if surely people can pay a little bit more for for some ethically sourced things as well mm. but so i believe it's happening could, and i hope it continues
0: so how could kiwis leverage these trends that you're talking about what could they do perhaps in a unique and fresh way to appeal to those trends you're talking about is there anything you can see there
2: I th- I think so because it is one of I mean New Zealand does everything well I think we we're we're lucky with the resources that we've got um we're we are a relatively expensive country in comparison but th- but there's a way of owning that too like why why is the New Zealand wine so expensive is because the people who made it have a living wage y- you can be proud that these people enjoy their work and are not overworked um unfortunately you can't say that for everywhere so you can kind of find a way of explaining the difference in price uh, potentially, but we, we do make amazing cheese. We do have um, free range pork um, products available and that's just not part of a conversation that's happening over here. So if New Zealand can start or help mm. to start that conversation, it can taste good and you can treat the animal. Well, it, it'll take a while to kind of punch through and there'll always be some people who don't care, but there'll there will be a huge amount of people that do care, they just don't know they care yet. Yeah, yeah so starting that conversation mm-hmm. with, with uh, New Zealand does it ridiculously well, the, the kind of quality product that we just take for, advan- uh, take for granted. We're so spoiled back home when it comes to the, the quality of projects that's available, though I'm hearing that it's a, a bit expensive at the moment. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Terrible situation. Sure Very is. Good. I just yeah. been back
0: there and felt exactly that. It was quite expensive, but I just loved the array and um, yeah. the lack of plastic around yeah. everything. Hey, anything coming up for you, Wayne? That your activities or promotions you want to talk about? Are there any winemakers coming through? Tell us about something that might be coming up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we we're um we've got we're going to do something with with uh with the elder. Um, obviously, because we're importing that. Um, we're gonna that one's coming up uh, to be decided. But um the next one that we've got um, locked in, I haven't started the advertising of the ticketings yet, but um is for Palisar Estate, which is also from Martinborough in Wairarapa. Sandy Moore's coming over from from Palisar, uh so it's gonna be exciting to catch up with her again. That'll be it's a Saturday, April first, and we're we haven't locked in the menu yet, but honestly, Trevor in the kitchen is is amazing and the wine's amazing so it's it's um it's going to be a pretty pretty amazing oh, event it for sure
1: like april 1st is going to it's going to be the place to be is uh, absolutely totally. yeah absolutely Get
0: that on your i calendars. remember back in my university days T- palace estate did a, a special <laughs> and i bought two cases of <laughs> their wine <laughs> What nice. kind of university student were you, Catherine? Oh, my God. I was from
2: Canterbury. <laughs> we could do
0: these things. And it was the wine that got me through. I was well-known. And you can ask a couple of people who know me. That was the wine that I used to have on a Friday night. You come around, you knew you had Palliser Estate.
2: Uh, nice. It was crazy.
0: And Ooh. I remember going up there to actually into Martin Burrens and, and going there as well. So I may have met Sandy at the time, but she might have been another winemaker back then. But fantastic wine. So look forward to that. It's going to be fun.
2: Um, hopefully I've, I've managed to convince her to bring some of her sparkling over, but um, oh. we're going to have um, their Pinot Noir. And I think last year, one of the writers, I can't remember who, it was, the top, it was in the top two, first equal Pinot Noirs for New Zealand. So, mm-hmm. um, And mm-hmm. yeah, good Pinot Noir from New Zealand is basically just means the best Pinot Noir in the world, equal with. So I'm um, excited to test that wine again, definitely.
0: Fantastic. Anything you wanted to ask us, Wayne?
2: Well, more more probably of a congratulations. It's been going for a while, and and uh, you're sort of picking up picking up traction and all that. And you you won an award recently, right? Have you? Have you? Oh,
1: we were nominated in the top three for business podcasts in New Zealand. Uh, got to nice. the Top three. Yeah, we didn't quite make it to win, but we. Uh, were in okay. The top, top, but oh, okay. Top. No, sorry, top five. Sorry, sorry.
0: But let's not. I'm pretty it. sure
1: we were third though. Yeah, and, we were yeah. third. We think. Yeah, in our minds, because, anyway. Because you know when you're up
0: against. <laughs> When you're up against the shit show, which is the big one in New Zealand that wins all the awards, well oh, okay. we feel that we are definitely three and Radio
1: New Zealand and all of those. Yeah. Yeah, well there's the they've
2: got some budget. Yeah, the
0: Herald, that's the one.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we don't let's not forget that Jane, who produces this podcast, is indeed an award winner who won the Entrepreneur of the Year at the British Chamber of Commerce Awards in twenty twenty two. So we are was, an award winner yeah, through the production yeah. and uh magic that goes on behind the scenes here. As well as on camera here uh, for this <laughs> podcast. Just saying, thank you, Wayne, for bringing that up.
2: Yeah, nice one. That is that is pretty awesome.
0: Any last words from you?
2: If someone from New Zealand is thinking of coming over, it's a good idea. This this market is is massive and um, hungry. It needs to be treated in a in a Japan specific way, just the way the same way Brazil needs to be treated in a Brazil specific way. The market is massive, and people people like us. Uh, so if you do come over, don't screw that up. But um but, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but rule number yeah. one. Yeah, don't screw it yeah. up for other people. Yeah, yeah. thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, no, that's fantastic. Good. Thank you very, very much. Congratulations on being a totally successful Jandal in Japan and for telling us today about your story, your insights and tips. I'm so educated now. Thanks so much mm. for uh, being here from the land of the long white cloud in the land of the rising sun thanks Wayne
2: awesome thank you very much a pleasure to be here
1: awesome interview with Wayne did we just get an education on sake or what like I feel confident now to go and order something
0: I am feeling good I feel confident I'm waiting for the time I can now get the menu in front of me and have a little look (gasps) Thank you, Wayne. You that really was just awesome nailed and it. It's so easily explained. It makes complete sense. Yeah, I I think I was looking at those percentages and not absolutely not understanding. I had no idea what all. that.
1: No, that that's what it was. Like, I hmm. thought
0: it was like you know as you get into spirits, they're forty percent mm, mm, alcohol, mm, perhaps right? And I thought, mm. oh, that's what that is. But completely blew me away that it was not what I thought. <laughs> See? Oh. How long have i been here how I many and also the, that the price isn't
1: necessarily going to
2: no.
1: correlate to a headache the next day right hallelujah
0: what an education i just <laughs> i look forward to uh wayne getting us set up for a mini class to build yeah on. i hope he does that what that'd be really awesome teacher.
1: yeah yeah he's, he's got a skills. great
0: way of explaining things and really
1: easy to listen to
0: loved so it easy so I'm going to go and
1: definitely spend some time looking around. Usually I just breeze right by the sake section in the boot shop or wherever I am looking at alcohol. I'm actually going to go and take some time to look at the labels and see see what the patterns are, you know, with these percentages and prices and It's and, a good
0: thing, isn't it? And I'm also yeah, interested to know and, how they're laid out, right? I mm-hmm. haven't read I've sort of just think sake. You just
1: see like a blur of labels that you yeah. can't read what it says because it's in that kanji but, that you can't. Sh-
0: Surely they're laid out like wine (laughs) in different sections. I mean, I probably Mm. could have asked Wayne that, but it'd be interesting to do some study, Mm. practical study. Yeah, Yeah.
1: because like Mm. sake is like retailing for crazy amounts in Europe. Like I remember seeing on TV recently that one glass of sake in a Paris restaurant would be like, Jimayan or something ridiculous like uh, over a hundred dollars for a glass of sake of a certain type. So definitely mm. up getting up there in the world, and we have it all right here, and we don't even drink it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: just something to learn there.
0: Yeah, something. Lots happening in his world. You know, the new baby on the way, but he's got the the people coming in from, uh, the nice. winemaker coming in from yeah. Martinborough. He's also got that Tauranga association that he's created what mm. a fantastic idea i think that's mm. something that many kiwis here listening could build on and i'm thinking jane what can we do yeah, that's a little bit that's more right. like that community base that helps mm. people come through mm. it's got me thinking
1: that is such a great example it doesn't have to be difficult there's people yeah that you can team up with to yeah maybe bring in the talent you want from new zealand or yeah facilitate that like help people get on the ground here mm. wow. very very interesting
0: and I always thought you know he's his place was too far to go to it's too far away but I had a complete bias but now he's changed my my view on that with that simple best you know the best places are not easy to get to and in fact it's easy enough to get to it's just further away than a 10 minute walk which I quite like from where I am but mm. to get in a taxi and go to his restaurant is, is nothing actually and so I love that he said you know like new zealand is too it's hard to get to um and people go oh new zealand should be closer but we're quite glad that it's not mm. right it is um, it's worth the, the, worth the trip. Places in the world mm. to get to and it's worth the trip and i feel one of the big comments was that way of not just uh brushing broad stroke brushing the whole of the japanese market as one genre there are so many different facets, right? Mm-hmm. Different different colours of the rainbow of people here, tastes. Uh, Even the Tokyo area, size. Tokyo.
1: Tokyo. Like I used yeah. to think, Tokyo was Ueno and Ikebukuro. That was what I thought Tokyo was for a long time because I would come down from Fukushima on the train, get off at Ueno because that's where the train stopped, walk outside and go, oh, this is Tokyo and I was not impressed because Ueno is quite different from other areas of Tokyo, Roppongi or Shibuya or wherever. The more time you spend in tokyo the more you see that oh there is some more to tokyo than just this one area where i happen to be right
0: true and Mm. they are quite different and different personalities different Mm. size wallets different clothing right yeah Yeah. so um that was very interesting and i think very good point to bring out that don't just talk about japan market (laughs) uh, perhaps divide it up a little bit more Mm -hmm. and think about who you're actually selling to i thought that was brilliant and the story around it right wayne also talked about that being very careful on the story and having that objective factual information to back up what you want to say Mm. because you want to sell your product or your service here of course why is this valuable yeah very very interesting
1: how competitive new zealand wines actually are really like 30 what did he say 30 something dollars for a top class yeah wine as opposed to over 100 for a similar level wine from france and I always say that to Japanese people here when I recommend New Zealand wine, they're like, "Oh, what should I have? They're like anything? You're not gonna miss. It's gonna be good. It's not going to be a hazardai." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wa one
0: night. The mark, this is no. no. There's,
1: you know, there's no bad New Zealand it wines will be here a- in Japan. Yeah.
0: On the mark every single mm. time. Hey, I loved how you also talked about bread. I mean, I'm not a big bread eater <laughs> bread. these days, but. <gasps> I, back in New Zealand, it was very, very tempting because the breads are so beautiful. So I think there's a real opportunity for a Kiwi baker to come on into mm-hmm. at least Tokyo somewhere and do some New Zealand, um, maybe some more inspired breads, inspired breads here. And match up or help the Scandinavians and the, yeah, the, the others Sc- get some Scandinavian bakery yeah, healthy bread, healthy bread.
1: Sourdoughs and the hard harder crusted breads. I have a friend who's a baker. He's a Japanese baker. And his shop is a hard bread shop. And so it's known as being the shop that sells hard bread. And by hard, I mean just mean the crust is hard. and
0: <laughs> Yum, the crust is hard. You just said it.
1: Yay. Or not so sweet bread, you know, and that's yeah. the only bakery I will buy bread from. But,
0: but there yeah, are opportunities like that, aren't there? He's doing that it's in the only market. shop He's in the town. the only one doing it.
1: In a whole city of 300,000 people.
0: Kudos, kudos, mm. kudos to him. Mm. Uh, but you know, again, Wayne talked about that moving from mass-produced to craft, and that that mm. kind of bread making that you're talking about is a craft, mm. and he's honed in on it. So mm. there's plenty of opportunities, um, as Wayne has given in his uh, crystal ball gazing, mm. you know, Take healthy you living. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. I loved it. Can't wait to get to the kitchen and see and meet Trevor and get a bit of mm. that organic chicken. a few other things going down sounds fantastic i might sign up for that wine dinner too Mm.
1: all right well we have more wonderful jandals coming soon so tune in next time see you again
0: thanks for listening make sure you check out our guests links in the show notes
1: this podcast is brought to you today by Catherine O'Connell Law and Pod Launch with Jane. If you have a great story you think should be on the show, come and find us on LinkedIn or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Mata ne!